Okay, we're going to get started this evening. It's a joy to see you here. Whoa, I knew it was coming. Um, but it is a joy to see you here tonight, uh, gathered together to worship God in prayer as commanded in Scripture. And um, after taking a break last week because of our business meeting, we're back tonight to look at another prayer of thanksgiving that Paul offers up to God, a prayer that we can and should learn from. See, we're on a mission as Christ's followers to grow in our ability to pray according to God's will. And so in pursuit of that desire, uh, we begin studying as a faith family all of Paul's prayers that are recorded for us in the pages of the New Testament. And since those prayers being Scripture are inspired by the Holy Spirit, they are perfect representations of what it looks like to pray in accordance with God's will, and they can help us guide our own prayers in that regard as well. And as we listen in on Paul's prayers, we're learning what to adore, appreciate, ask for, admonish, and amen in our own prayer lives. We've already studied what to adore in prayer, and the answer is simply God, who he is in and of himself. We ought to worship God in prayer for his glory and his attributes. We ought to worship him for his divine character and majesty. And right now, in our study, we're looking at what to appreciate in prayer. And the answer is, first and foremost, Jesus. He is God's inexpressible gift. And we ought to also thank God for all the spiritual blessings that are given to us in Christ Jesus. We've seen so far that we ought to thank God for the gifts in Christ of victory, grace, faith, hope, love, and last time we looked, spiritual life, vitality. Tonight we're going to look at how we ought to thank God for the gift of growth. The gift of growth spiritual growth this comes from second thessalonians chapter 1 verses 3 through 4 second thessalonians chapter 1 verses 3 through 4 where paul writes we ought always to give thanks to god for you brothers as is right because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is Paul offering up to God a prayer of appreciation, of thanksgiving for the gift of spiritual growth. But before we go any further tonight, let's acknowledge our need for God's Spirit to teach us His Word tonight. So let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the opportunity we have as Your people to come and sit at Your feet and to be taught by You. Father, we thank You that where we are weak, You show Yourself to be strong. And even through the preaching of weak men, You communicate Your all powerful word and you shape and you mold us into the image of your son jesus christ from one degree of glory into another by your spirit and father this is the work that we ask that you would do in our hearts and minds tonight we pray that you would open up to us the truths of your words that we might truly understand the things that are given to us by you Father, we pray that those truths would be planted deep within us and that they would change us, transform our hearts, our minds, our thinking, our affections, 
and our actions so that we can walk in a manner worthy of our calling. When we pray this, particularly in the areas of our prayers, Father, we want to grow in our prayer lives. We want to pray in accordance to Your will. And we want to thank You for the things that we ought to thank You for. And so, Father, show us once again tonight how You are the one that works in us both to will and to desire your good pleasure. And may we give you all the praise and honor and glory for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I said, this is Paul lifting up a prayer of thanksgiving to God for the gift of spiritual growth. And there is a, an important history to this prayer of thanksgiving. You see, uh, in Paul's first, prayer, or first letter to the Thessalonians, he recognized that first they had indeed sincere faith, love, and hope in God. He says in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3 that he remembered their work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul recognized that those Thessalonian believers had a faith, had a love, and had a hope. But he also knew that it was a fledgling faith, that it was a newborn love, that it was a freshly planted hope. In other words... It was a faith, love, and hope that still needed to grow. And that's why Paul prays later in that letter in 1 Thessalonians 3, 10-13, that God would give him the chance to first supply what was lacking in their faith, second, to cause them to increase and abound in their love, and then third, to establish their hope, their hearts in the hope of Christ's coming. So they had a faith, love, and hope, but it needed to increase and abound yet more and more to the glory and praise of God. And the same is true for us tonight. If we have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have faith. We have love. We have hope. But we need it to grow. And so did the Thessalonians. Hence, this prayer in Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians. Because you see, God had answered Paul's prayers that we see in 1 Thessalonians. The Thessalonians had experienced that growth that Paul had prayed for. The very growth that he had prayed for. So Paul begins in verse 3 by saying, we ought always to give thanks to God for you brothers, as is right. And then he says in verse 4, we ourselves boast about you. So the Thessalonian church possessed something that Paul says he could be proud of and he could be thankful to God for. What was that? The answer is their spiritual growth. Their spiritual growth. Paul could be proud of and thankful for the Thessalonian believers. I feel like I'm thick-tongued tonight. The Thessalonian believers. Uh, Because they exhibited spiritual growth in three primary ways, as we'll see in this passage. They exhibited spiritual growth in their overgrowing faith, in their overflowing love, and in their overcoming hope. So Paul gives thanks in this prayer, first, because of their overgrowing faith he says there at the beginning of verse three we ought always to give thanks to god for you brothers as is right why because your faith is growing abundantly one of the ways that paul could see that they had spiritual life and that they were growing was in the area of their overgrowing faith now remember paul himself had prayed for this if you want to turn back just a few pages to first thessalonians 3 verse 10 Paul writes, we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. You say, well, what was lacking in the Thessalonians' faith? 
Were they lacking, and this is what most people assume, were they lacking in the amount of their faith? The answer is no. Jesus taught in Luke 17, verse 6, that faith the size of a mustard seed, in other words, the size of a, of a grain of sand, is sufficient for all things. In other words, it's not the size or amount of someone's faith that matters. It's what you put your faith in that matters. Faith doesn't come in sizes like Starbucks coffee, right? Tall, grande, and vente, or whatever that means. Right? No, biblically, when it comes to faith, you either have it or you don't. You are either believing and relying on a certain point of truth and doctrine, or you're not. And so Paul's not saying, I want to come and supply what is lacking. I want to come and zap you with more faith, as if that was possible. It's not what he's saying. No, Paul is saying, I want to come and supply what's lacking in your faith. I want to increase not the amount of your faith, but the breadth of it. If you have faith, you will, believe, you will believe a point of doctrine. Well, What I want to do is introduce more points of doctrine by which you can believe. Because think about it, what is the foundation of faith? What does faith grow on? True, but the word of Christ, right? Truth. Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of Christ. The word of Christ. Faith grows on truth. Faith is the God-given ability to trust and rely and to act on God's revealed words. Study Hebrews 11 one time. You'll all of a sudden see that everybody in that faith acted on God's revealed word. Faith is the God-given ability to trust and rely and to act on the truth. And so what Paul is saying in 1 Thessalonians when he recognized their need What he's saying is, if I'm going to supply what's lacking in your faith, and faith is trusting in the truth, then what I want to do is expand your comprehension of what? The truth. The truth. And as your knowledge of truth expands, so will your faith, if you have it. And so that's what Paul is praying for. He was praying for the opportunity to come to the Thessalonians in order to supply what was lacking in their faith. He was praying that the foundation of their faith their knowledge of the truth would be enlarged. And here in 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, we find out that God has answered Paul's prayer. Paul says your faith is growing abundantly. And that word growing abundantly is actually one word in the Greek, and it means to overgrow. Overgrow. The faith of these Thessalonian believers was literally overgrowing. Have you ever had to deal with overgrowth? Like a plant overgrowing, right? It digs in deep, right? It gets everywhere. It grabs hold of everything, and it refuses to let go. Back in Michigan, my parents have an old windmill in the middle of their turnaround driveway. And just after they got married, my dad planted a clematis vine, which has these cool purple flowers, right next to the windmill. Well, my parents' well is located right underneath the windmill, Over the years, that clematis vine tapped into that well and talk about overgrowth. My dad used to climb up, have to climb up and trim it back every single year because there was more than enough clematis for that windmill. It was overgrowing. So it was with the Thessalonians' faith. Their faith had tapped into a growing knowledge of God's truth and as a result, their faith was overgrowing. 
Their faith was digging in deep. Their faith was spreading out everywhere. Their faith was grabbing hold of everything and their faith was refusing to let go. Later on in verse 4 of this, of this same chapter, it talks about how the Thessalonians were undergoing persecution. But just like the Clematis vine on the windmill, because they had tapped into God's word and had broadened in their understanding of it, they had an overgrowing faith that could endure it all. So that's the first way that the Thessalonians exhibited spiritual growth. They had an overgrowing faith. If you recognize that your faith is weak, guess how you strengthen it? If you have genuine faith given you by God, you start reading God's word. And upon that foundation of truth, God causes your faith to grow. So they had an overgrowing faith. Second, they had an overflowing love. They had an overflowing love. That's at the end part of verse 3. He says, we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Again, growth. And we looked at this last time. This was not a passive love being exercised by the Thessalonians or a fuzzy sentimentality. This was a love that sacrificed for people. A love that cared so deeply that it would speak the truth. As Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1.3, it was a laborious love, a love that was marked by painful action, a love that loved others even when it hurt. A love that is only supernatural. And Paul prayed that this type of love, that, this, that was still newly born in their hearts, would grow. He writes in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. In this verse, in this second letter, tells us that God answered Paul's prayer. That's why he says, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. The very thing he prayed for in the first letter is answered in the second letter. It is increasing. That is superabounding or overflowing in the Greek. You want to, you want to know what that means? Let me tell you a story. Last summer, while we were living on Linden Street and all the neighbors can watch everything that happens, Chara found a little kiddie pool from the dollar store, uh, one of the inflatable ones that you can blow up and just kind of fill up with water. One Friday afternoon when she was away, it was my job to get that pool set up and ready for when the kids came back. Uh, After a couple of hours of reading the instructions, crawling around with a level because I took it way too seriously, laying out a harp or, or a tarp and then setting up the pieces, I finally inflated the outer ring and ran a hose out to the pool to fill it up after turning on the water. I did what any self-respecting individual would do on a warm summer's day. I went in the back patio and I fell asleep. Imagine my horror when I woke up and all of a sudden realized that I was well on my way to creating an, in, an inland lake. The pool was overflowing like a waterfall into the backyard, which had filled up so high it was running into our garden. I had more than enough water than was needed. More than enough water to meet the occasion. It was superabounding. It was overflowing. It was far beyond what was required. So it was with the Thessalonians and their love. In the midst of their persecution and hardship, in the midst of the hatred and the reviling and the scorning, These Thessalonians weren't struggling to show affection or kindness. They had more than enough love 
to meet the occasion. It was overflowing. It was touching everything. It was getting everywhere, just like the water in my backyard. They were loving their enemies. They were loving their neighbors. They were loving one another with an overwhelming, overpowering flood of affection that could only come from God. So that's the second way that those Thessalonians were exhibiting spiritual growth. They had an overflowing love. More than needed for the occasion. They had an overgrowing faith, an overflowing love, and finally, they had an overcoming hope. An overcoming hope. Verse 4 says, Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Here Paul builds on what he's been saying uh, by telling those Thessalonians that he actually boasts about them when he goes around and talks to other churches. Can you imagine that? He goes around and boasts about the Thessalonians. Why? Because they were such good examples, he says, of steadfastness and faith. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many a man professes his steadfast love, but a man of faithfulness who can find. Paul knew how rare it was, and so when he found them, he would share it. He would share it. He would point them out. And Paul tells them, I actually boast about you all because you're such good examples of steadfastness and faith. Considering how Paul uses that word steadfastness in alignment with hope in his first epistle of uh, 1 Thessalonians 1.3, that's probably the emphasis that Paul has here as well since faith is so closely tied to hope. Paul rejoiced to see that in spite of their present trials and their present circumstances, they had a steadfast faith probably regarding the future, right? That is the very definition of hope, of hope. They had a steadfast faith. They had hope. And I want you to notice, this is one of the ways we exhibit spiritual life and growth, right? Which is what we're supposed to show to the unsaved world, right? So if God is going to draw people to Jesus Christ, then He's going to start planting in our life this overgrowing faith, this overflowing love, and this overcoming hope. But where does, how is that overcoming hope seen? is, Is it seen during good times? When you're healthy and wealthy and prosperous? No. Steadfast hope doesn't shine out brightest during the easy times in your life. Your faith, your hope, and your confident expectation of the future shines out the brightest during the hard times of your life. And so if we're going to be testifying for Christ in this world, which is what we're made to do, then that means we will, of necessity, go through many trials and tribulations before we enter the kingdom of God. Our overcoming hope shines out brightest, as Paul says here, in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Paul says, I boast about you all because I can see your spiritual growth. You're showing steadfast faith in the midst of all of your trials. You're showing overcoming hope. As Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Listen, what gives you, what keeps you believing in the midst of trials? It's overcoming hope. 
1 Corinthians 4, 16-17 says, So we don't lose heart. Why? Because this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. What do you call steadfast faith in the midst of trials? Call that hope. Overcoming hope. And so Paul was boasting and giving thanks to God because they were showing this type of overcoming hope in all their afflictions. They were showing spiritual growth. This is one of the reasons why trials and, tri- and hard times come into believers' lives is so that we can show hope. Show hope. So these Thessalonians were showing spiritual growth. Those are the three ways that the Thessalonians clearly exhibited genuine spiritual growth. It was by their overgrowing faith, it was by their overflowing love, and it was by their overcoming hope. And so, having seen clear evidence of their spiritual growth, what does Paul do in this passage? Does he pat the Thessalonians on the head and congratulate them for their hard work ethic? Is that what he does? No. Paul writes this. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. See, the only person to rightly attribute any spiritual growth to is always who? God. God. When we see spiritual growth in our life or in the lives of those around us, we ought always to thank God for it as is right because He is the one that gives the growth. He is. First, uh, First Corinthians three six through seven says this: I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Paul says again in First Corinthians fifteen ten: For by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I did work harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. You see, Paul was not a self-made man. Nor was he the result solely of other people who mentored and discipled him. Though that was the case as well. He recognized that his growth was produced solely by the grace of God. Either directly in his life or indirectly through the lives of others. But it all came from God. It all came from God. He was not a self-made man. He was a grace-made man. So it is with us. Any growth or any change that has ever happened in our lives for the better was always and only because of the grace of God. That is the only thing that sets you apart from the rest of the world. It is the grace of God. As Paul himself reminded the Thessalonians back in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it is the God of peace himself who sanctifies you. To us, Philippians 2.13 says, works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. If you're reading your Bible and trying to grow in your faith more now than you were a year ago or five years ago, who gets the glory? God does. And if you're less of a bitter person and actually understand the forgiveness of Christ a little bit more now than you did a year ago or five years ago, who gets the glory for that? God does. 
And if you are able to bear up under trials and point people to Jesus Christ more faithfully now than a year ago or five years ago, who gets the glory for that? God does. He's the one that did it all. He's the one who works in us both to will and to do His good pleasure. And so since all growth comes to God, comes from God, what ought we to do to apply this passage? First, we ought to ask God for this type of spiritual growth, shouldn't we? We ought to ask God for this type of spiritual growth, just like Paul did for the Thessalonians. We ought to ask for God to supply what is lacking in our faith so that we might be able to exhibit an overgrowing faith that touches everything in our lives. We ought to ask God to make our love for one another increase and abound so that we might exhibit an overflowing love that overwhelms every injustice and wrong done to us in this life. And we ought to ask God to establish our hearts upon Christ's coming so that we might be able to exhibit an overcoming hope that keeps us steadfast in the midst of every single trial. So that we might be able to show the world and each other a faith, love, and hope that digs in deep, that gets everywhere, that touches everything, and that refuses to let go. Just like Paul, we ought to ask God for this type of spiritual growth. If there's areas in your life that you recognize you need to grow in, i got one question for you. Have you even prayed about it? Are you praying about it? Because I guarantee you there will be no change until you acknowledge who brings about that growth. Just like Paul, we ought to ask God for this type of spiritual growth. And then second, we ought to thank God for this type of spiritual growth. When we see it in ourselves, when we see it in others, in this church body, we shouldn't say, wow, look at them. Look at what they've done in their life. I wish it could be like them. Right? We ought to say, wow, look at God and what he's done I want him to do in me what he's done in them. Because an overgrowing faith, an overflowing love, and an overcoming hope can only come from the God of peace himself who sanctifies us. So spiritual growth is a gift, and so let's join Paul in this prayer tonight by asking and thanking God for the gift of spiritual growth. This is how we can pray in accordance with God's will.